0: Chapter one, Philippians Chapter 1. For almost the past year, we've been looking at the writings or the letters that the Apostle John wrote and the Gospel that he wrote. And uh, I was tempted to move on to Revelation, but uh, we've not dealt with much of the writings of the Apostle Paul. And so we're, we're moving to Philippians this evening. Start there in the chapter 1, verse 1. It begins, Paul and Timotheus. That's Greek for Timothy. And as good as Paul know him, you probably call him Timmy. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. Now the word servants here is the word doulos, which is a, a slave or, or one who used to be a slave and obtained freedom but loved the master so much that they allowed him to take their ear and poke a hole in it with an awl. And everybody who saw a slave with a hole in his ear knew that he was a servant because he wanted to be. Because he loved the master. Is that what kind of servant you are? Is that why you do things for God? Because you love him? Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ. To all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons. Word bishop there is a word the actual Greek word means overseer, but we use it as one of the terms for a pastor. Okay? A pastor. Some denominations use it as a name for a pastor over the pastors. The Methodists do that. They have a bishop that's responsible for a number of churches, and he assigns pastors to those churches. Uh, A lot of the AME churches have a bishop that is is, uh, over a number of churches, and uh, occasionally on TV you'll see something about uh, Bishop so-and-so or Bishop so-and-so, and and it's just a term for, uh, for a man who's called by God to help lead God's flock. Okay? You say, Brother Casey, are you a bishop? Nope, I'm a sheepdog. Okay. You say, what's a sheepdog? Well, kind of like an under-shepherd. A, a, a sheep have to be led. They're hard to drive. So they have to be led. And so you've got to have somebody leading the sheep. But a good shepherd always has a good sheepdog. And since I serve the great shepherd, the good shepherd, and the chief shepherd, all the same guy, Then I run around barking at you sheep, putting a bite on you every once in a while, to drive you closer to the shepherd so you don't get lost. So Paul and Timothy writing to the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. He's writing not just to the saints, but to to the, the folks who pastor them. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's kind of interesting because in the Gospels, Jesus often is called Jesus. The Hebrew word Yeshua or Joshua means Savior. Once he died on the cross and God raised him from the dead, he was no longer just Jesus the Savior. He was the anointed one, the Messiah, the one that God allowed to carry our sins and die for them. And as His blood covered them and and we came to Him in faith, God saw us as righteous. And we began calling Jesus, Jesus Christ Christ. Jesus Christ. Now, one of the things necessary for salvation that we don't often consider, but we certainly ought to grow into it as we become separated and sanctified, is the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay? Romans 10, 9 and 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, you say, well, Brother Casey, I know a lot of people who claim to be saved, and and it's obvious Jesus is not their Lord. Oh, no, 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 that's not obvious at all. If they are saved, Jesus is Lord. They may be disobedient children, disobedient servants, but He is Lord. Okay? In fact, He is the Lord over the Lord's. And he's the king over the kings. Last Monday I celebrated Christ as my Savior because it was King Day. Okay, Martin Luther King or Elvis. I always get them mixed up. <clears throat> I just know it was the king, the king day. And, and, but I know the king of the kings. So when King Day comes around, I praise the Lord that he's the king of kings. But I want you to understand, Jesus is Lord. You might run into somebody who says, well, he's not my Lord. But that's just wrong. Okay? I remember a time when we were taught (coughs) that people before us, like really old people, my grandparents, that they believed that the earth was flat. Okay? Was the earth ever flat? No, okay. So what people believe does not change the truth. And the truth is, Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. That's always true. So people who don't believe it are simply wrong. Okay, you can say that with me. People who don't believe that Jesus is, is Lord are wrong. Okay? People who don't believe in Jesus don't believe the truth. Because Jesus is the truth. Pretty simple. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Okay. Let's hurry on. Grace be unto you and peace. From God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. If you ask people what they would like to have most in life, they will, if if they get to name three things, they will say something that compares to these three words, okay? People want somebody to love them and somebody to love, okay? They don't want to be lonely. They want to know that they're loved, okay? And they want to be happy, okay? And they want to have peace. They don't want to have to worry. They want security. Where can you get those things? Jesus, Galatians 5:22 and 23, we quote in Sunday school every Sunday morning in, in the adult class. Now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Against such there is no law. Those first three, yeah, three, <laughs> Those, Here you go. Those first three are love, joy, and peace. God loves you as much as He loves anybody else in the world. There's nobody He loves more than He loves you. You say, Well, I don't feel like He loves me. Well, then bless your little heart. You shouldn't be living by feelings. You ought to be living by faith. And one of the reasons you may not feel like He loves you is because you may not be an obedient child. My parents always loved me, but when I was disobedient, I didn't feel loved. Usually, me and Ron were disobedient together, and we'd be kneeling across the side of mom's bed when she whipped out that little plastic belt. You know, it went, pow. Dad's went, pow. But mom's went, pow. And she'd take that little belt, pow, 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 pow. She did it because she loved us. Didn't leave meat marks on us, didn't beat us on the back, just in that place between the waist and the thighs. (laughs) <laughs> that God designed for for children to learn how to behave. And she would apply it there. And, and we, you know, over the years, we finally got the picture. Mom loves us. She always told us she loved us. Grace. Everything God gives you that you do not deserve. And people ask me how I am. Oh, way better than I deserve. Why? Because grace has been abundant in my life. For a while, sin abounded in my life. And grace abounded more, Paul said. Isn't that sweet? Grace be unto you. Well, right after that, Paul says, So, should I sin more so that grace can abound more? God forbid how to translate it into English. God forbid. No way. No. Because of grace, we ought to become more graceful. We ought to become more grace-like. We ought to become full of love, joy, and peace, and gentleness. So grace be unto you. whole bunch of different definitions for grace. One of the ones that I remember best is God's riches at Christ's expense. That's the acronym, G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. But knowing that grace is everything God gives me that I don't deserve. You say, well, then what's mercy? Mercy is when he doesn't give me what I do deserve. Okay? And his mercy endureth to all generations. Boy, I can't tell you how grateful I am for that. If grace it had, if mercy had, ended with my dad's generation, well, me and Ron would probably both be dead. <coughs> but it didn't. It endures to all generations. The psalmist says, and so here we are with grace and peace. What's peace for me? Can't say t- 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 for everybody. For me, peace is going to bed at night, not worrying. What we're going to eat tomorrow. Not worrying who's going to make the house payment. Not worrying who's going to pay the electric bill. Not worrying who's going to pay the gas bill. Not worrying who's going to pay the water bill. Why? Because everything I own belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. Psalm 24.1. If it all belongs to him, let him worry. He's going to be up all night anyhow. He has never missed a payment. I'll just go ahead and tell you. And if he ever chooses not to pay the payment for the house I'm living in, then I'll know he has someplace else for me to live. And so I go to bed at night, and I don't worry. And I've told you before, if I'm going to worry, I'm going to go out in the front yard and be honest about it, look up into heaven and tell God, I don't think you care about me, I think you lied. Okay. You said Brother Casey, you would tell God that? No, I wouldn't tell God that. That's why I don't worry. But if I was going to worry, I'd, I'd at least feel like I had to be honest about it. God cannot lie. So I can rest. I can have peace. And when things are going wrong all around me, it's okay with me? Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So he's always here. He indwells me. He and the Father both indwell me. John 14, 23. If you love me, keep my commandments. I and the Father will make our abode with you. I and the Father. The Holy Spirit indwelled me when I got saved. So he's there. And the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father. What in the world do I have to worry about? Nothing. So we have grace and we have peace. And it's from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. He's talking to the church at Philippi. He goes on through the next four chapters and tells why he thanks God for them. We're not going to get into all of it tonight. We're not going to try to burn through four chapters. But he mentions the first one in verse 5. Look at verse 4. Let's start in verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Every time somebody mentions you, every time I think about you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy. Some people said, that's how you know that Paul was from the south. Sure enough, he's from Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus. Tarsus is in the south part of Turkey. Okay? You say, what do you mean that's how you know he's from the south? He said, making mention uh, it, uh, always in every prayer of mine for you all. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> you all, y'all. Okay? Making request with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel. Do y'all have fellowship in the gospel? Huh? Mark Lockwood climbed in my car tonight. Asked me if I knew Ron. I said yes. And next thing out of his mouth was. I got saved two years ago. But I used to ride Ron's bus. Why would he tell me he got saved two years ago? He's brothers. We're brothers. Okay. Why would I tell Ron anything? We're brothers. And every one of us who knows Jesus Christ as personal Savior are brothers and sisters in Christ. And some of our brothers and some of our sisters have gone on to heaven, but we have the Word of God that says His coming is imminent. It it can be at any time, which means it could be very soon. And Grandma said when the cat got her tail slammed in the screen door... It won't be long now. And it wasn't. It's about this long. When I think about Jesus coming back, I always think about that poor cat. Because it won't be long now. He'll be here. We'll be out of here. I met Randy Lucas, who takes care of Rose Lawn Cemetery this afternoon at the cemetery. And uh, I didn't say it in front of him because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. Uh, but he knows... The, the Bible. I don't know if he's saved or not. He says he is, and so I take his word for it. But uh, in First Thessalonians chapter four, verses thirteen through eighteen, where it says the dead in Christ shall rise first. I am so hoping that God raises them bodily, so it tears that cemetery all to pieces. <laughs> okay, you say why, brother? Because I want to be there. I want there to be a lot of evidence that Jesus came back and we left. Okay. if It's just the Christians that are gone. That's going to worry a lot of people. But if the cemeteries are torn up, yeah. Okay, And whoever's left behind has to take care of the cemetery. He's going to have a full-time job for a while. Filling all those graves back in. That wasn't very sweet of me, was it? It'll be job security for him. That's what we'll call it. Yeah. Okay. I thank my God for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. With this, I close. I know you're thinking, okay, when he says, with this, I close, then there's finally, and then there's one more thing, and then he's done. But no, with this, I close. Finally, one more thing. You know what messes up fellowship? Disobedience to the Word of God. Somebody in the church irritates you. Or a brother or sister in Christ does something that aggravates you. And you don't love them enough to go to them and say, Hey, I have a problem that maybe you can help me with. And you tell them what happened and and why you were disappointed or irritated or whatever. Then it just sits there and festers. And what you end up doing is taking it to somebody else. And Psalm 15 says that the people who will dwell in the hill of the Lord in his holy place are those that will not take up an offense against another if you go to somebody and they get irritated with you, they have taken up your offense. And that violates Psalm 15. Okay? You say, well, Brother Casey, how do we deal with it? With love. With love. If Ron... nope, let me reverse that. If I do something stupid, okay, I don't have to wear a sign, Ron comes to me and says, Brother Brother Randy, I wouldn't hurt your feelings for the world because I love you, but... You need to know this. He tells me what I did. <laughs> Let me just say I keep I keep him busy and on his toes. And you know why he comes to me instead of telling telling it to the rest of the church one at a time? Because okay? that's called gossip. I told you. This was the last thing, and so with this I end. They used to call gossip a woman's disease, a woman's sin. And Lester Roloff was preaching revival one time, and he preached against the sins of the tongue. And a woman came forward in invitation, deeply convicted. And she said, Brother Roloff, I am so guilty of, of gossip and what you preached about. She said, I want to lay my tongue on the altar. And Brother Roloff very sweetly said... Well, it's only six foot long with we'll stringer out here, and we'll hang it off both ends. <laughs> Apparently, he had heard of her reputation. <laughs> so, that's the message for tonight.